Hello, welcome again to Comic Con Stories. Tonight we'll be talking about George Perez, uh, a man with a very long and colorful career. Of course, I'm my co-host, Shaytheen from Saskatoon. Good evening. Also with us is Red Ink. What's up? So, last uh, week we got some very distressing news about comic book legend George Perez. Um, um, looks like we might not have him for much longer, sadly. Uh, it's, uh, what, stage three cancer now? Mm. and it's it's bad but um but we're here to celebrate the man's uh, accomplishment and careers and we're going to talk about some of the things he's done that we've enjoyed um when you think george perez what's the first book or title or piece of art that he did that comes flowing straight in your mind uh Red. I think George Perez. Superman, I think. Ah. No, it's a copy of one of Superman's original, like, original covers. But it's where, like, Superman's flying. He's got one arm forward, Superman one arm back. One. I don't know. If, Superman number one is him lifting up. No, that's action number one. Okay. But he's like, it's a full profile of Superman, his full body. It's a, side, it's a side profile. But he's got one arm back, one arm forward, and his cape is like flowing in the wind. He's kind of like floating in the air. I've seen this cover done and redone several times by different artists. Yes. Yes. But I when I think of George Perez, this, I think... I don't know why, but George Perez always stands out to me. Fair enough. Uh, JT, what do you think, George Perez? What's the first comic book series, title, or uh, piece of art that comes flowing straight to your mind? Uh, the cover of the new Teen Titans, number one. Like that one where you see uh, Cyborg and Kid Flash and Beast Boy and Raven and Starfire and Wonder Girl charging towards uh i think it's the scions these green lumpy skinned aliens that were chasing starfire that's usually the first thing that pops to my mind and you know, george president if i think about it for a second it's, it's usually just the teen titans or the jla avengers crossover from the early aughts which was honestly i think some of his best work that he's ever done but ah. you know when when i think of george perez it just in general, you know, it's kind of what I think about with Jim Lee, like very, it's intricate, but it's not overly designed. Like there's, it's a good solid, you know, he's a workhorse. Like he, he's done this for years. He just, he has a very firm grasp. His style does not usually, it has not waned or, changed all that much in you know the 30 plus years that i've been reading comics and that i've seen his work interesting okay what do you think about when you think of george perez i have two things competing for the top spot in my mind um there is of course his legendary run with uh with marv wolfman on uh, titans and second to that or sometimes 
above that, depending on the day and my nude, is the Wonder Woman uh, post-crisis reboot that he pretty much did solo. <coughs> because this was a case where all the, like, Superman and Batman were given, like, like a lot of press and a lot of, like, you know, uh, you know, Frank Miller, you're doing Batman, uh, you know, John Byrne, you're doing Superman. You get, you get near carte blanche, not total carte blanche, but near, near carte blanche to do what you want with it. And Wonder Woman was just off on the side and uh, Perez is like, hey, can I do this? And the other's like, sure, whatever, I, we don't care. And I think that what he did for the foundation of Post-Crisis Wonder Woman made her a character that I really love and appreciate. And I think that, like, seeing him doing, like, the full creative on that book is just amazing to me. Uh, but, yeah, back to the uh, Titans, uh, his collaboration with uh, with Wolfman also really sung and added a lot more to these characters that were meant that they weren't meant to be more than just a junior Justice League when they were first conceived. Um, so there's that. Uh, so let's talk about one of these. Uh, what what would you like to talk about first? Uh, Red. Why is that up to me? Well, because I talked, then you talked, then JT talks, and then I talked. I'm trying to sort of uh, get a get a uh, rhythm going. What always depends on like there's lots of things you can think of when you think about George Perez, but Teen Titans and Mar him and Marvel has been created basically what we think of the modern day Teen Titans. Absolutely, absolutely true. Like uh, Starfire, Dick Grayson, Beast Boy, Cyborg, all, all the classic heroes that you think about that are in, on the fucking Teen Titans. That was him and Marvel's roster. Like even the even even Deathstroke. Yes, Deathstroke the Terminator. Um, just a really interesting thing because. Again, like I said before, if you ever read the Titan books that came out prior to uh, Wolfman, um, it's, it's it really is just a Junior Justice League. It's like, oh, we have all the junior members of the Justice League characters and Donna Troy, who exists mainly because of an artist error. And, uh, and it turned into something else. Like, you have... Like, he created all this extra lore, uh, you know, created, and Marv Wolfman also sort of directed Perez to create a very distinctive look for uh, Coriander um, Starfire. Um, it was just a very interesting idea, he said. He said to Wolfman, make her facial expression very cat-like and make it to where she, when her... When, when she flies, like her hair becomes a becomes like a uh, a trail, and if you ever read those old uh, Perez books, just the way that Starfire flew looked very distinctive. 
and her look itself was very distinctive like on paper who would have thought that this character would have had any legs and i think that wolfman's writing but obviously perez's art sold the character like you wouldn't believe I mean, Coriander, you, you, you look at her and you think it's just going to be, you know, some outer space, you know, fantasy type princess character. Because let's face it, that plunging uh, neckline, you know, he's having some fun designing that. But you know, working with Wolfman, you, know, you created like one of the strongest and one of the most popular female characters in DC history. And it's the same, same kind of with, like, Raven and Donna. Raven, for, like, the longest time, and I think rightly so because of this comic, became such kind of a goth icon. I know a few gothy friends of mine back in the day that, you know, shared my love of comics kind of looked at her as, you know, that kind of, you know, who they're going to pin up on their wall. And that comes from not only Wolfman's writing, but Perez's art. But it's like I said, like you, he also had a mastery of technical drawing. Like, because you look at any of the backgrounds and the interiors of like Titan's Tower, uh, when they get Titan's Tower from Cyborg's dad, even the design of Cyborg himself, it could have been so easy for him to just draw Cyborg's limbs and have a few lines here and there to denote, you know, the robotic parts. But he went in, you got like each like ring on his fingers, you know, like the segmented look of this. And he replicated that over and over again for the entire time he was on there. So much like he set the standard for interior technical drawings in Titans. And I'd say across DC. And the only other guy that I really think matched up with that, at least, you know, in this era in terms of technical drawing is the guy that one of the artists that succeeded him on the Titans title. And that was uh, Tom Grummet who also leans very heavily towards, you know, kind of Kirby-esque design in some of his tech drawings. But uh, it's, again, it's, like I said, with the Jim Lee, like with Perez's art, he creates, like, the, the feeling, like, solid, this feeling of action. Like, there isn't, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's just the overall, like, when it all comes together, it's a comic book. Like, this is the definition of what comics should look like you know, with the detail and the depiction of action and movement, you know, the way he draws the speed lines coming off a of kid flash or, you know, wonder girl twirling her lasso like that. Now, the you other, the, the other thing I want to add about uh, uh, Perez's work in Titans is, is there's lots of subtlety in what he conveys with the stories. Uh, if you ever read the original Wolfman Perez run, um, when Raven's introduced, she's not exactly good looking. She, she's got like a bit of a horse face. She's a, she, and that was intentional because she's, she had like, at the least in the beginning of the book, a weird, but deep seated jealousy of the other girls on the team because she's standing next to fucking Donna Troy and, uh, and Coriander. Of course, any woman would have some sort of, problems with that especially raven who has a very fucked up history and um and 
later on she just becomes plain looking versus the elongated face that they used to draw her with uh and of course prez was doing a little something that he learned from uh from was it jim lee or was it another artist on x-men that that did the shadow always over netcrawler's eyes and raven had the similar thing going on with her face unless her hood's up unless her hood's down i mean i hadn't really thought about that I mean, when it comes to Raven's face and how it changed over time, like initially, I kind of thought he was going to give her like some sort of vaguely Eastern European kind of look that, you know, she she's ostensibly like in terms of, you know, she's like a princess of evil. But, you know, just tried to give her this almost kind of slightly regal look like with drawing her like that. And then, you know, over the years, obviously, they, they've just turned her into, you know, she's a goth girl with a jewel in her forehead, and, but she's still hot. So there's something to be said about the, the first version of Raven. You want that? Like in the, in, the, in, the, in the Teen Titans books, they kind of, I hate to say it, but they're like, what if we do the X-Men, but in DC? You're not wrong. And that. So they gave, because all the X-Men are flawed characters. It's Marvel. So in Marvel Comics, none of the superheroes are perfect. They all have flaws and shit like that. And that's what they did with the, with the Teen Titans. Like when they designed Raven, she wasn't supposed to be ugly. She wasn't supposed to be homely. She was supposed to be just like an average girl. Like you're go very to school. Plain. Yeah, you go to school and you see, like, average girls. And you have the one prima donna who's super cute, super hot, that everybody's super popular. And that's what she's supposed to be. She's supposed to be the average girl versus Donna Troy and Coriander, who are the popular girls who are super cute and super hot. There's nothing wrong with it. Like, she's pretty, but she's not super pretty. Yeah, or conventionally and, pretty. I don't know, conventionally pretty. Like, nothing wrong with a plain Jane woman. It's just among a like a regular person among goddesses. Yeah. That's... And yeah. It, it, again, that that played with her insecurity at first as a character, which I think. Uh, made her interesting until she went all fucking dang nasty evil for a little while. Um, and nothing against Perez's uh, design work for these characters because his design work was on point with a lot of these characters. So he, he designed Deathstroke the Terminator with the pirate boots, but works for me. He, uh, he designed, as I mentioned, Vic Stone's Cyborg. He designed Coriander Starfire. He designed Raven. He, he, I, I am 98% sure that he gave Garf, Garfield Logan, the uh, Beast Boy, the uh, the green uh, the green appearance because I'm almost sure that when he was first showing up in uh, Doom Patrol, they had like gray fur. Yeah, well, I if I remember correctly, in Doom Patrol when he first showed up, he had like this uh, Jean Grey, like the yellow two finned mask that Jean Grey had, you know or like the horned look of Iron Man's helmet. And he was more purple. And then eventually he became green. I'm fairly certain he started off green in Doom Patrol. And then, you know, 
Perez defined or sharpened up that look of you know the the red and white suit and the green blo- broccoli top. Although I'm more of a fan of the black and purple that we got from you know the Teen Titans cartoon years down the line. I always thought that mix of green, purple, and black worked a lot better. But I mean, he made it work here. He's got that classic you know red and white onesie, and then. You know, to go back to what Red said about how he, the X-Men, uh, the t- Titans were the X-Men of the Marvel comics. I mean, piece of trivia for our listeners, they, they were one of, this is, when they did the Titans X-Men crossover in the 80s, that's only a, like the third or fourth uh, crossover in comic form between DC and Marvel to that point. Uh, previous to that, you had like Spider-Man, Superman, and Batman, Hulk, and it might have just been the third but uh, in terms of like how the execution between the writing of Wolfman and uh, Perez's art and, you know, defining like Vic's rage, at, you know, his rage at his dad and the accent that scarred him and his dad turning him into cyborg or dealing with, you know, Gar's history of losing his parents. And after he was bitten by the monkey with that had, was it called Sakuchia or something like, and his dad gave him this random shot of this, formula that was supposed to save his life or you know coriander like starfire being sold into slavery by her parents and escaping from her tormentors and robin dealing with his mummy daddy issues with batman like between the art and or the writing and the art like they define these characters for so long that I'm sure initially when they got beyond that, people railed against it. But when you think of the characterizations that these people, these characters have been through, you know, it goes back to, you know, Perez and Wolfman like this. And, and one thing I want to add about this is again, uh, Perez did lots of designs that were really, um, that, that really defined these characters looks for decades. But yeah, there Let's be fair. Uh, maybe it's because there were lots of characters, but there were there were some there were lots of duds in yeah. the Titans lineup, like uh, Jericho, Gabriel, um, Golden Eagle. Like some of these characters. Thunder and Lightning. Oh, some of these characters look fucking awful. Um, oh. And they're really like Golden Eagle. I just always love that look. Like you know, how, how do you when you look at those wings? It's not like it looks like Hawkman's wings or Angel's wings. Like they're these stiff ass metal wings. Like how you have any amount of control with that? But you know, in the hands of a master, it made it work. Uh, but when you talk about Perez, you know, you definitely have to make like this guy. Next, I would say only by the slimmest of margins is Alex Ross, number two on the list of guys who are the absolute masters of the crowd shot. Uh, like Alex Ross specifically, I think some of his best work with the crowd shots you get. Uh, it was a poster I got out of Wizard Magazine back in the day. And it was like an Alex Ross piece of like the satellite era Justice League with, you know, Firestorm and Elongated Man along with the Big Seven. But... Uh, you look at basically like the first uh, that have you, you guys have seen that print from Crisis on Infinite Earths 
where you got the string of Earth's like pearls in the background. There's energy crackling all over, and Pariah's in the corner, you know, head in his hands, screaming. There's the Golden Age Superman, like the, the entire multiverse is going to shit. And yet you can look at this, and you can see individual characters. You can notice individual all the little nuances and everything that he put into each character and amongst this huge tableau, you know, the cosmos and these earth shattering and all that. I mean, how do you guys feel about his work just as like a crowd artist? He's a really hard fucking worker. That's what I have to say about that. Like, uh, like I am in awe with the fact that he does the amount of detail he does and stays on schedule. Versus how many modern-day artists who, you know, well, you're lucky if there's only a month gap between issues. Well, like, for instance, uh, Brian Hitch. Oh, oh, this page is so hard. I'm going to take three months to do an issue. Oh, it's so hard. And Perez is like, what's that, you pussy? Yeah. I mean, I don't think he would actually say that. But I know. how do you feel about his background work like that, Red? He is extremely detailed. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, they're so good, they're the greatest artists ever. You got to appreciate an artist like Perez who puts in so much fucking time and so much detail that, like, a good example is the JLA versus Avengers comic. One of the, one of the covers, like, it's just filled to the brim with fucking superheroes and you could probably shadow like shade all these characters out so you don't see their costumes you don't see their faces but you could probably tell who the fuck they are even though as Prez understands their po their ideal poses their dynamic looks stuff like that like you could tell superman superman you could tell thor's thor but could you pick out the differences between Flash and and Quicksilver. With Prez's art, yeah, you can. Yeah, because wasn't one of those JLA Avengers covers like it was every leaguer and every Avenger in some yeah. form? Yeah. Yeah, like it's a super dense page. Like it... If I were to work on that, it would easily take me two weeks to fucking to draw that. And Prez probably drew that in like two days. Yeah, and like I said, that's the one thing that just is so amazing about this man is is he is able to keep a fucking schedule. Like, um, I think that's that's the that's uh, just the showing that he's from that uh, from that generation of. If I want to eat today, or if I want to eat this month, I can't miss my deadline. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you look at, uh, like, he did some work with the Infinite uh, Crisis in the early aughts. And he also worked alongside guys like, uh, you know, Phil Jimenez, who I think is, you know, the heir apparent to uh you know everything that Perez does like Phil Jimenez is another guy like this dude's a workhorse and he's never really missed a shift uh 
But when you look at Perez's work, like they brought him back. Like I know they contacted him specifically for Infinite Crisis because this is the sequel to you know Crisis on Infinite Earths. So why wouldn't you have like one of the main architects of that come back? And he didn't do entire issues. He often uh, shared an issue with you know Ivan Reyes or Jimenez or even uh, God, what was his name? But any of those guys, really. And that's the other thing. Like, he works with people. Like, I have not heard one bad story about Perez in his history with uh, with anybody. Like, no, no anchors, no colorists, no writers. Like, I don't think I've ever heard of a bad, uh, bad one bad word about Perez. And I think that's a testament to not only his ability, but just him as a person. Because... You know, for the longest time, for example, I thought Todd McFarlane was the shit. And, you know, you think even even in the last 10 years, like how it comes out, like this guy is like, he's not evil, but he's not as nice as I thought he was. In fact, he's kind of an asshole. And, well, you know, because back at I the, tended to put artists on a pedestal. Back at the note about detail and art with Perez, um, is it so strange for me to say that I'm I'm just now looking back at his 1987 Wonder Woman run, um, and I hate to say it because this sounds mean to the colorist, and I don't mean any offense to the colors because the colorist that that was working on this book, but I think it's a product of the coloring method of the time. That uh, let's see at uh, Tajana Wood was the colorist of, of these issues. Um, that I'm looking at Perez's line work, and it is superb. Like there's a like in the first couple of pages, there's an image of Hermes flying to Olympus, and it's fucking dense with fucking detail. But the colors um, are the colors you would expect in the late '80s. They are somewhat flat, somewhat monotone, and uh, and slightly on the pastel warmth and i can't help but think if someone can get like the original lines and give it a modern day version of coloring that this page could fucking sing yeah it's the other thing that i i didn't know this growing up like i didn't you know, kind of ignorant like that, didn't really know. It's like I recognized the art, and it's like, okay, George Perez did the art. Like, I didn't know he was writing it at the time. And it's rare when you find somebody who can double dip like that, because I think growing up, the only guys I knew were him and Byrne that could do that. And that's the thing with the Wonder Woman that he did was how well he did it uh, incorporating, you know, Greek myth into his run to the point that there weren't a lot of traditional supervillains, like traditional Wonder Woman supervillains. Most of the villains sucked. That's we're we're not talking about the quality of the villains, just in general of how few how how little they were used. And, and when I think about that, I think about kind of about the the direction they had with Batman Beyond, and you don't they're not going to have any knockoffs of or new versions of old Batman villains. I mean, you know, we had the Jokers, we had Mr. Freeze. That was about it. 
but uh, you know how hard he worked at making these characters who just granted there's no set in stone interpretations of these gods but he used them and the sense of these are the definitive versions of Ares and Phobos and Deimos and Zeus and Hera and Hephaestus and Mercury like that's how good he was with a pen in his hands and when he was writing as well as drawing because I think it, at, at his core uh, and I'd certainly like to hear what you guys think about like how, how this guy was just a fan like he loved comic books and I think it shows in everything he did. I definitely think that there's definitely love in, in, in everything that Perez did in, in the comics. Um, I, I think that that's obvious to me. Yeah. So, I know I kind of said at the top there that one of my favorites was uh, JLA Avengers, uh, but what's some of your guys' favorite, out, I mean, outside of the Titans, obviously, what's some of your favorite works that he's done that you guys have read over the years? Uh, well, again, the aforementioned Wonder Woman, uh, JLA Avengers as well. Um, like, there's not a whole lot like I know his look and I know exactly when it's him drawing it. And I always like, Oh, that's George Perez. Look at how detailed this is. Look how good this is. And, but I can't really think of like my top books other than those three. Well, I mean, I'll put in the chat here so you guys can see, but uh, like got his big bibliography uh, up on the Wikipedia here. And I kind of forgot uh, some of the stuff he did at DC, you know, like little bits here and there. Uh, there's a couple of things that it's not mentioned really. Uh, do you guys, have you ever heard of a company that came out in the 90s called Techno Comics? The T-E-K-N-O-N-N-O. Uh, and it was found, found, it came out around the time, I think a couple years before or just around the same time stuff like earth final conflict and andromeda started production in the tv form because you know there was this mythical trunk of all these unused uh, script ideas from uh, uh from uh, roddenberry yeah and, roddenberry and Rod took a shit and he and he said some stuff okay, while he was on the ben, can we're and... just trying to keep it positive today okay and in some of these things you had this stuff like he did uh there was uh, primordials, which are like these aliens came to Earth thousands of years ago and picked up like dinosaurs and such, and they formed this society out in the universe, and now the these creatures are coming back to Earth to, you know, take their home back, or uh, you have the thing where this is honestly one of the brand new uh, George Perez comics that I read, was it was called iBots, and it was this uh quintet of these uh, super-powered uh, androids of uh, AI that were based around the three laws of Isaac Asimov and all the art in those issues for this is a very brief run. Like, I don't even think a lot of these, co the company didn't last more than a year and change. Uh, but iBots is one of the first, like, brand new George Perez. And I was like, damn, this dude is good. And it's, again, it goes to the quality and everything 
I mean, you did stuff. You did a lot of work for Ultra Force and Avengers crossover. You did actually work a lot with Ultraverse comics too, although there's not a lot listed on his bibliography here. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of Ultraverse comics to begin with, so it's like yeah, throw a stone, you'll hit you'll hit all that they, there is. It's not a lot. Yeah, but how about you, Red? What's some of your favorite Perez? My favorite Perez is probably JLA Avengers. So I'm just looking over here. Like I know I read the comic when I was a kid. Like uh, Anathis, Princess of Gen World. I didn't know he worked on that for a few issues in like the initial run. Got a lot of work on you know, did some Legion of Superheroes, you know, Titans. It's rare. Like I didn't know he worked at all at Marvel. Like the the first time I remember Perez working at Marvel is when he did about the first year or so on Avengers Post Heroes Reborn. Like after they came back, you have that great first four issues where uh, you're they're dealing with Morgan Le Fay and Mordred uh, trying to take over the world with the the Twilight Sword from Asgard, and, they, and and this just goes to show the beautiful art that he can do because she warps the world and makes the entire world like, you know, medieval Arthurian legend. And now the Avengers is the Queen's vengeance, and there's this sweet panel where you see them flying through the air, and the heroes like some of their either in suits of armor or in just very regal looking clothes, and like she he literally created one of my favorite alternate versions of the Avengers to the point that they never, they did do a mini series years later, kind of slightly based in this concept, but they never brought Perez back to do the art where they did another like mythical fantasy world like this. But yeah, I was surprised when I found out that he actually, you look at some of the stuff, the stuff he did with Marvel, you know, outside of infinity gauntlet, of course, that's another beautifully detailed one. Now, if you could put him, let, let me throw this out there. If you guys could throw him on a DC title that he hasn't worked on, what would you put him on? Well, that's kind of hard because he worked on a little bit of everything. Well, okay, no Batman, no Superman, no Justice League. He's worked on Superman. He's worked on Justice League. He's worked on That's Batman. why I said no Superman, Batman, Venom. That's outside of those. Well, again, it's hard because he's worked on Flash. He's worked on Wonder Woman. He's worked on Brave and the Bold. He's worked on Green Lantern. He's done, like, he's touched a little bit of everything because he was a workhorse. He, he, he you know, you give him a book, you know you're going to get something good and on time. Okay, so outside of the big two, what's the what's a concept you think you would work on or pair well pair well with? I should say. That's a hard question. I mean, just, honestly, go ahead, Red. I wouldn't say out of the big two. There's to me, there's something he always should have worked on, but. He never got the chance to, or they never hired him for, and that's the X Men. Yes. Yeah. I think like 
there's famous artists like John Byrne and Yim, Yim Lee. Cochran. Cochran, stuff like that, that are known for being the architects of the X-Men and what we think of them as the modern-day X-Men. I think if you had the chance to put Byrne or to put Perez on there, he would have been one of the like the pillars of the X Men. Like, but he, I don't know why they never gave him the chance. The other thing is, Legion of Superheroes. He would have worked well. Hell, he would have worked well on that, but they never gave him the chance either. Yeah, because according to the wiki, he only did like six issues between 80 and 83. But he could have done so much more. I agree with you on that. You know, honestly, with like with his terms of detail and all that, and he can clearly do cosmic stuff, I, I'd i like to see him what a Green Lantern run with him would have looked like. He's touched some Green Lantern. Not very much. Okay, you're right. He never did the titles, the title proper, but I remember he did lots of Green Lantern artwork that was in Brave and the Bold. I think is where I'm thinking of it. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. Like he dipped his toe in a lot of DC. I mean, if you look at Marvel, uh, I think Hulk or Iron Man, definitely Iron Man, because like I said, he's got that great technical skill when it comes to the 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 art and you know, just some of the Hulk you've seen in, uh, like, you know, he did the Future and Perfect miniseries, the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, I think he would have done, I don't know if it'd be a legendary run, like Red said with the X-Men, you know, he'd be one of those pillars, but I think it definitely would be a standout. And if you go outside of that, it's, I mean, there's just too much out there. I honestly... I mean, it's mostly known as a DC property by a lot of fans, but just in general, uh, maybe a Doc Savage. Because I think I'll, one thing I definitely think works in his favor is his art style goes with a lot of different genres. And I think it would pair very well with, say, uh, pulp fiction or just like just a pulp style character like Doc Savage or the Avenger, even the Shadow, you know, something like that. Hmm. Like, here's one that I don't think it fits totally or with his style exactly, but it's the fact that Perez is such a such a great artist and such a workhorse as an artist. Um, I'm going to throw it out there. Um, just a cracks suggestion of I've always wanted to see him draw Invincible. That would be a lot of fun. Even though it's not in his quote style, not in like his known wheelhouse, but because he's just that good of a baseline artist, I think whatever he would do art wise with the character would look fucking phenomenal. There was stuff like even with the ultraverse, and I think it's just, you know, for him, that was just kind of work at that point, but you know, like, uh, was it Hard Case? I think he did some Prime. Worked on a couple of the crossovers there. 
I mean, it worked because this guy loves comics and he puts his all into the work. That's true. Well, another another one. Well, in this one, it's just might work against him as far as design wise goes. I wouldn't mind seeing what a Witchblade run with his art would look like. Like you just have that uh, you know that whole aesthetic with the metallic vines, bladed vines, and the general look of Witchblade. Like let's see him do some grody demon stuff again that's the beauty of an artist like george perez is he is such a good baseline artist like even if you don't account for his quote individual style and just account for his baseline skill anything you would give him would look gorgeous the punisher absolutely same same deal um, which is Honestly, one of my favorite moments in JLA Avengers where Batman and Plastic Man are reconnoitering, you know, Earth 616. And Batman's like, don't fuck up. Don't leave. Don't do anything. And then he just fucks off and beats up the Punisher because, well, Batman can't listen to his own voice, apparently. Well, they're like traveling. I forget how they're traveling, but they can see the dimension and what's happening. And Batman's telling everybody don't interfere or not from this fucking place let them be let them let's fuck just try up. to get let them fuck up we're trying let's just try to figure out how to get home don't interfere then they start talking amongst each other everybody looks around where's the fuck's batman then you see batman fucking fighting <laughs> yeah and then plastic man showing absolutely no fear getting right up into batman's face turning his hand into a megaphone and you said not to leave the group. Yeah. Oh, and also the other best, and I think this is absolutely my favorite uh, scene. Number two is uh, Superman wielding Mjolnir and knocking the doors down on the main villain Krona's uh, headquarters, which is the corpse of Galactus. But uh, that scene where Batman and Captain America face off and Batman's like, you know, it's conceivable that you might beat me, but it would take you a long-ass time. So let's just talk instead and figure this out. Yeah, but I mean, that's like a sign of respect where Batman is like, no, this guy could probably kick my ass. But I'm not. I'm going to make him pay for every inch of it. Oh, yeah. And the other moment I love is the fact that um, just the beauty of JLA Avengers, and I think we sang the praises of this... Uh, this uh, mini and later on trade is a lot of times, but one of the beauties of it is this is a book that lets people from both sides of the aisle relish and joy and celebrate it because nobody gets an easy win. And the people who uh, don't, you know, people who do get easy wins, they sort of explain really well, except for Punisher. Punisher kind of jobbed a little bit, but at the same time he's, he was fighting fucking Batman. So I'm not going to really, care about that too much um and a great example of this is superman takes down thor and lots of marvel fans would be really upset about that except it took nearly everything superman had to take down thor and immediately fucking uh, warbird and i think iron man dogpiled on him 
because like they were like nobody was, does that to Thor. Who? Like the it was all the Avengers. Like they're all like nobody fucks with Thor like that, and they jumped him. Yeah, after he pretty much drained himself of going full blast with with his heat vision and pummeling him, like he pretty much ran himself dry just to beat Thor, and so it made sense that. Yeah, he would weaken himself enough that the other, all the other Avengers could dogpile him. Um, yeah, and Aquaman shows up with a crazy-looking fucking beast from the sea <laughs> and no. pulls them all off of fucking Superman. Yeah, uh, and another great one is where Flash and Quicksilver are dealing with it, and the one point Flash is running backwards just so he can look Quicksilver in the face and talk a little smack, and then you uh, later on he's like just jogging in place while Wanda is trying to align herself with the chaos magic of DC. And he's just like, I'm going to continue to access the speed force. And he's like, trying oh, no. to, he never did. Yeah. He kept trying to. Yeah. But the point is like, you just sit there and he just has Perez's art makes Pietro look even more like a jackass than normal. Well, there's also the fact that you have uh, Hawkeye trying to use, his boomerang arrow on the flash and flash is like, no, I know uh, how to deal with boomerangs. This, this, this is, this is kids play. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, that would have worked on the wizard. Yeah. Yeah. I love some of the turnarounds and stuff like that. And the, uh, how Krona who's for those that know Krona is this character from DC history. Who's like the evil guardian of the universe. And he, has gone on this uh, journey across the multiverse to discover like the meaning of existence and all. And I, I love this. This is the last time they really used the Grandmaster properly in a Marvel comic. Finger quotes, because they didn't use him again for years after this. And then they had him in uh, I forget the this Avengers special event where you find out that not only is he not actually the grandmaster. He's actually a big ass cheater, which I thought kind of ruined the the whole idea that the grandmaster, he might be the elder of the universe, but he does play by the rules. Uh, I love that idea that, and again, when you go to his uh, domain and you have like bits and bobs from both Marvel and DC all over the place, it's like, well, why wouldn't this guy know about the DC universe? So, they also make comment on the classic DC trope of how there's, in addition to like San Diego, they have Coast City, and in addition to New York, they have Metropolis and Gotham. So you know, they actually make mention. The Earth is ten percent bigger. Yeah, I thought it was like twenty five percent bigger. They said, but and and he even draws. Well, they if you unless you look real close, the two Earths in that moment look pretty similar. But if you look at the one that's DC. You know, you notice is that little percent better. And again, that goes to his eye for detail. Now, okay, I like how they point out things about you know, the DC comic characters. Like, these people are fucking crazy. Because in Marvel, they instantly try to fight. They don't, even, they don't talk and shit. Yeah. yeah. And or when the Flash first goes over and he tries to save that uh, fish-faced mutant boy. And he's like, shit. And then he ends up getting his ass handed to him a little bit before, like, the speed force kicks back in. Or forget what the exact reason was. And he gets back and he's like, whatever you do, don't go to New Jersey. Yeah. The other thing I want to add about uh, 
about the Alien Avengers is Perez makes a little bit of a callback to his, uh, uh, again, much celebrated Wonder Woman run, where Wonder Woman faces against Hercules. And it's not her universe is Hercules, but she's just like Hercules, the defiler of Hippolyta. And uh, Hercules says, well, actually it was consensual and that earned him a bit of a beating. It earned him a bit of a biblical beating. Uh, well, he doesn't and, say it's consensual. He says, well, it was actually a rumor spread by a hero. And then Wonder Woman doesn't listen to him. Yes, because Diana is nothing if not level-headed and does not give in to her emotions. That's Her, her mom's a bit of a thing. Yeah. Now, you know, we, we spent all this time talking about, you know, this is JLA Avengers from like 2004. This wasn't the first time this was supposed to happen. This was actually supposed to happen like pre-crisis. And there's actual artwork out there from uh, Perez based on the Justice League at the time, which was the satellite era Justice League. And the uh, I think this is for mostly the same lineup of Avengers, like post-Korvax saga. So you have like classic Hercules with like the, the green straps and the leather man skirt and all that. And I've seen, if you have to look it up online, folks, check this out, because it's just really some black and white, like pencils and some inks that never got colored. And I remember them talking about that in Wizard Magazine around the time JLA Avengers coming out, because, yeah, Wizard Magazine was still in pu publication at the time. But it's just like, this dude does, like, again, like his output might have slowed down, but he doesn't miss a beat. And I, you know, like I said, like Phil Jimenez is, I think, the heir apparent. But I don't think we're likely to see another Perez, you know, possibly in our lifetimes, like somebody that has this much love and dedication to the craft that George Perez has put out. I mean, this is a guy that has redefined comics on a pretty biblical level. And I don't think he gets near enough praise. But that's just me. I think my favorite piece of art in that whole comic is you have that splash page of Superman holding Captain America's shield and Thor's hammer. Yes. Yeah. And just that look in Superman's eyes like, oh, somebody going to get hurt real bad. Uh, and also those panels where he tries to lift Mjolnir after the fight and the universe is starting to separate again. He's like, huh. Well, Thor even, said, Thor even said that Odin himself smudged the rules to allow Superman to lift it just for that one battle. I don't think that. I think it was, more, I, if I remember correctly, it was more along the lines of Thor has this like contemplative like little smile on his face. Is like, you know, you were if only for a time you were worthy enough for Mjolnir and Superman's like, huh? And, and you see, he gets that introspective look like he's like, I guess I got to work on that. But again, it just comes across in the art as much as anything. And also some of the goofy stuff in that final fight where you see like all the minions from every evil organization across Marvel, like aim Hydra, uh, the War Dogs of Apocalypse, the Intergang Goons, like all these guys are just like trying to dogpile 
on the heroes that they see who's coming down on him. They're just like, oh, we fucked up. So. <sighs> I mean, I certainly didn't think he was going to live forever, but I don't think there's a chance I'm going to get to meet the man, you know, before his inevitable passing, which is, you know, on that list of guys I'll never get to meet, but definitely would like to shake his hand and say thanks. Absolutely. I can definitely agree to that. So what's, what's another, what's another piece of Perez's, uh, very long and very illustrious career we want to discuss. I'm not sure because we kind of talked a little bit about everything. Okay. Um, well, it's impossible to talk about everything. We're just talking about the highlights of this man's career and what we love about it. Uh, what we love about his style, what we love about what he does and how he does it. No. So, other than the fact that we, people who haven't read his bibliography yet or haven't seen his large body work, which, again, how could you have been reading comics in the last 20 years and not at least once stumble on at least one piece of George Perez artwork? Um, go check it out. My personal recommendation would have to be the Wonder Woman run. Um, Red? My personal recommendation would be probably either the New Teen Titans or JLA Avengers. All right. And JT, your personal recommendation? I'm going to echo Red with, uh, you know, the Titans or the JLA, but as a third choice of a run of his that I very much loved, is you get the, I think it was the third volume of the long-running DC series, Brave and the Bold, uh, came out in 2007. You get the first 12 issues uh, that he did the all the interior art on that, and it's goes from, like, the first issue starts Batman, Green Lantern, and then you get, like, Green Lantern, Supergirl, Batman, and the Blue Beetle, you know, Batman, the Legion of Superheroes, Wonder Woman, Power Girl, Flash, Doom Patrol. And it's all over this ongoing narrative involving this ancient alchemist and the Book of Destiny. And it's, I think this is uh, one of the best examples of work for, you know, if you don't want to get into the Titans, you don't want to get that JLA Avengers, this is the run that I would recommend. So... Yeah, Volume 3 of Brave and the Bold from 2007, Issues 1 through 12. It's a complete story, and you really don't need any more than that in that series. All right, so this is our look at George Perez, a life that should be celebrated, a career that definitely should be celebrated. Um, it's yours, Ben. JT from Saskatoon. Frank. We're saying goodnight. So long. Peace out.